Well, good morning, OneChurch.tv. I hope you guys are having a great morning. You guys are so amazing just singing and worshiping God. And man, what about Tanya's story? Man, I'm telling you, that was moving. And she's right here. Let's just give it up for Tanya and God using her. It's just amazing. Um, my name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors here at OneChurch.tv. And we uh, started a series last week. We're calling It Starts With One. And we're going to be going through the first six chapters of the book of Acts, and we're going to be traveling through the book of Acts. Now, last week we discovered that the book of Acts is a historical movement for Jesus for us to Jesus through us. Jesus for us, that is the book of Luke, and by the way, Luke wrote the book of Luke, all right? And Luke also wrote the book of Acts, and that's where we're going to be in today. The book of Acts is an eyewitness account of what happened immediately following Jesus being resurrected from the dead. It chronicles how Christianity and the church spread throughout the entire world and how the church got started. Now, if you're here and this is kind of like your first time and Christianity and the Bible and church is kind of new to you, you could not have chosen a better time to come because you're going to be learning and you ever wondered how, how did there get to be so many churches on so many different street corners? How did there get to be so many denominations? How did we're now an earth filled with seven billion people and one billion of those seven claim that they are Christ followers? How did all of that get started? How did all the hospitals with the cross on them, how did they get started? All of that happened through the spread of Christianity, and it all started with one person, Jesus Christ. And then from there, it spread to a group of 12 disciples. And then from there, it continued to spread like wildfire and just like a match, igniting another match, igniting another match. Now we're generations after generations, and you and I are still writing the book of Acts because God is not finished yet. This is a movement this is a movement that the, through the book of Acts is a historical movement of God, Jesus, not only being for us, but really Jesus being through us. And that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is kind of the, the star. He's the spotlight in the book of Acts. And he changed the world. Now, changing your world. Have you ever thought about, are you changing your world? Have you ever just wondered, you know, is your life making a difference? You ever just sat back and it may have been around a birthday time. It's like, am I doing what God is calling me to do? Am I making a difference? I wonder if my life really matters. Usually we think those deep thoughts on birthdays that begin with a, with a zero, don't we? The big three zero, the three O, or the four O, or the five O, right? I mean, whatever it is, we have those those birthdays, and we're like, I wonder if I am really making a difference in my family, in my community, in my world. Here's what I'm going to suggest. I'm going to suggest to you today that that thought, that desire for you to make a difference, to be a difference maker, has been hardwired into you by your Creator. That God wants you and I to make a difference wherever we are. Do you know Jesus was the original difference maker? It all began with him. It started with... Thank you. I'm like, is there anybody out there? It started with one, exactly right. It started with one, and then it spread, and it continued to spread. And I, I want to just share with you my desire for this series, that we're a church that reach about a thou- reaches about a 1,000 people regularly. What if... 
our church could mobilize every one of us? What if all of us could go where God has called us to? To the places where we live, the communities where we live, and for us to make a difference for Jesus. That he could change the world through us. Here's what's exciting, and here's what I believe, and here's what I know. That Jesus has already changed the world once. 2,000 years ago when he came and it spread like wildfire, we know this works because he's already changed the world. The Roman Empire, this pagan symbol of bestiality has been changed and it became a Christian nation. Just that in itself is almost an oxymoron. But it has changed the world once. And I believe he can change the world again and it's going to be through you. Because I believe if you're a Christ follower then your family should be better off. I believe that if you're a Christ follower, the school that you go to should be better because you're in it. I believe that if you're a teacher and you're starting tomorrow teaching these kids, that you should make a difference because you are a Christ follower. I believe that the place where you work should be a better environment for people to work in because Jesus lives in you and the Holy Spirit is giving you power. If you're a Christ follower, your neighbor should be so glad that you live beside them because you mow your lawn all the time and you put your trash bin away as soon as the, uh, as the trash people come and take it away, right? I mean, our city, the city of Clarksville, ought to be glad that OneChurch.tv is here because OneChurch.tv has made a difference in this city, that we are for Clarksville. We're not against anyone. We're for Clarksville and that the church makes a difference in the lives of those who matter to God. And by the way, that's everyone because everybody matters to God. That's my vision. And that's my prayer over the next seven weeks as we continue to go through these, uh, the, these chapters of the book of Acts. We looked at the last three verses last week. And if you haven't downloaded our One Church app, you can do that. It's a free download off the iOS store and you can kind of catch up. But this is what we looked at last week. Dear Theophilus, in my first book, by the way, what was his first book? Luke, exactly right. I told you about everything Jesus began to do and teach. We talked a lot about that word began last week. Until the day he ascended to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions from the Holy Spirit. And that time where he ascended to heaven is what we're going to be looking at today. During those 40 days after the crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and look at this he proved to them in many ways that he was what actually alive and that was our big idea that really was where we landed heavily last week on these occasions he talked to them about the kingdom of god on one of these occasions and today we're going to study one of those occasions where he sat down with his believers and he talked to them about the kingdom of god that jesus is going to tell them hey guys this is what is going to happen over the next days and weeks you're going to be a world changer you're going to make a difference hope you want to be a world changer i do I believe he's called all of us to make a difference. But here's the thing. The four things you're going to need to do if you really want to change your world, if you want to be a world changer, the first one, how do you change your world is first, it's kind of shocking, you have to take a time out. You have to take a time out. You don't get started right away. You have to take and take a time out. You have to wait. How many of y'all know waiting is not fun, right? Waiting is just no fun. Waiting rooms are no fun. And yet Jesus says in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, you've got to wait, take a time out. And one of those meetings, as he was eating a meal with them, 
he told them, look at this, do not leave Jerusalem, what's that next word? Until. You see, he had a mission for them that was going to not only reach Jerusalem, but reach the entire surrounding areas and eventually change the world. But he says, don't get started just yet. You need to wait. You need to take a time out. Time outs are good, aren't they? I mean, when do, you need a, when do you need to take a time out? You need to take a time out when the world's coming at you just way too fast. You need to take a time out when you don't understand things. You need to take a time out when things are changing quickly. You need to take a time out when you just need some time to stop and think. We teach our kids that, don't we? You know, it's funny growing up, my parents never put me in timeouts. They didn't do timeouts. They did something else called reminders. Right? Any of your, uh, any of your parents ever did that? I was reminded uh, with a switch or with a hand or with a spoon or whatever it is. And today, um, we do timeouts. And I think timeouts are good. Timeouts give us perspective. Give us perspective. Every, every once in a while, you and I need some perspective. You know, one of the things, um, if you want a new perspective, you're going to have to change your pace, and you're going to have to change your place, and then you can get a change of perspective. And Jesus is saying, I don't want you to get started yet. I want to fill you up before you, can, you are wrung out all over this world and you change your world. Timeouts were important to Jesus. Jesus took timeouts before every major challenge he ever had. When he was first went into ministry, he took a 40-day timeout and went into the desert, a time of fasting and prayer. When he chose his first disciple, such an important decision, he took a timeout and he chose one evening to not sleep any, but to pray all throughout the evening before he made his choice. Before he went to the cross... Jesus took a time out, and he went to Garden of Gethsemane, and he prayed through the night. He took time out to get perspective. And I believe some of us, we need some perspective in our life. I believe in order to do that, you're going to have to take a time out. I'll tell you, time outs are good. The best things I've ever received from God has been during a time out. I try to take regular time outs every day. One day, one, a little bit, every day, I'll sit down, and I'll take a time out, and I'll read my Bible. And I'll pray and I'll talk to God. And I just, I go to him and I, I, a lot of times I'll pray scripture. Like James 1, 5, uh, that if any of us lacks wisdom, the only thing we need to do is ask and he'll give it to you. And I, because the reason why I do that, I take those timeouts, is because I don't know what, how the day holds. I don't know what's going to happen. It may be something good. It may be something challenging. So I come and I take a timeout. He told them in verse 4, don't leave Jerusalem until you need to wait. You need to wait. All of us hate waiting. Some of you, you've been waiting for a long time. I know knew one lady who was waiting for four years to get a kidney, and she had been on kidney dialysis for four years, 10 hours a day, every day, because she had no kidney function. And all she was doing was waiting until the beeper went off. And she got the good news that there was a kidney available for transplant. The fact is that many of you, you may be in a season of waiting right now. Some of you, you may have lost your job or maybe a spouse has lost their job and you just feel like you're in that holding pattern and you're waiting. Some of you, you're waiting and hoping to have a child, but you haven't been able to conceive yet. Some of you, you're anxiously, anxiously waiting for the results 
of some medical test or biopsy. Some of you who are parents, you can't wait for school to start, right? It's like, please, let school start now, right? It's almost there. Some of you, you're waiting for something to change or a circumstance to change. You're waiting to hear whether or not you get the job or you get the promotion. You're waiting for the chemotherapy or the radiation to take effect. I think... As I process, and I've been praying through this, I think we're, as I sense, and I've talked to people here at One Church right now, that we're, as these days approach, that there is a sense that we're going through a lot of change as a church. There's a sense that we're heading into a new era, uh, this direction. And sometimes there's anxiety producing, but it's also exhilarating all at the same time. And I'm hearing a lot of people use this type of language. And this is the reason why I'm going to encourage all of us to take time out. In fact, if you're here, you consider OneChurch.tv your home. I'm going to encourage you every Wednesday at 108. Everybody say 108. Why 108? You get ready to find out because that's the key verse of the book of Acts. But every Wednesday at 108 in the afternoon to just take some time, minute, two minutes, maybe read God's word, pray, let Jesus talk to you, and let us all come towards him anticipating that he's going to do some amazing things because I believe all of us are going to be used by God. The first thing a world changer does is take a time out. What's the second thing? Well, it's also found in verse 4. In one of those meetings as he was eating a meal with them, he told them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised, as I told you before. Gift. How many of y'all like getting gifts? Let me hear you. Right? How many of y'all like giving gifts? And I say that, not, not, you stop right there. See, that right there tells me, I'm with you. Yeah, g- giving gifts is fine, but getting gifts is so much better, right? It just is. You love getting gifts. And what Jesus is saying is this, the Father has a gift for you. You don't need to leave, you need to wait until something happens. Don't get started doing the work I've called you to until you have the right tools. How many of y'all have ever tried doing a job and you didn't have the right tools? Wasn't it just difficult? It's just difficult. I have no tools. I have no tools. And as a pastor, I'm telling you that because I don't want you to buy me tools. Because if you bought me a chainsaw, I'd probably kill myself. Okay? See, here's what I, how many of y'all have you've ever taken your fingernail and tried screwing in a screw? All right, some of, I saw your hand. How many of y'all, you have ruined a credit card trying to screw in a screw? Let me hear you. Uh, how many of y'all, I've been to your house, so tell the truth, don't shame the devil. How many of y'all have used a butter knife to screw in a screw? I've been to some of your houses, I see you, and I, it looks, the tip of that knife looks like it's been tortured like the Game of Thrones, right? When you don't have the right tool, it makes any job a whole lot longer and more tedious. Jesus says this, Church, I have a job for you. Church, I want you to change the world. But you need to wait until you receive the promised gift till you receive the tools. Now, what promised gift is he talking about? He says this in the end of verse 5. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. So he's kind of talked about this before. We're going to see that. John baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the who? Holy Spirit. Look at that phrase I told you before. Jesus talked about the coming of the Holy Spirit on Thursday, the day before he was crucified. Forty days before what we're reading in the book of Acts, Jesus sat down with his disciples in the upper room, 
And he is teaching them about the Holy Spirit. In fact, let me just show you a couple of amazing verses from that teaching. John 14, 15, 16, and 17. John 14, I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the helper, everybody say helper. That word helper, the Greek word is paraclete. And another name for helper is advocate. Um, it, it's, uh, it's also the word, I, if I could put it in this today's vernacular, coach. He is our coach. Some of you, you've had coach in your life. You maybe had a coach in football or, or whatever, or maybe it was a band director, or some, somebody there who could encourage you and correct you and you know, put you in the game. He's saying, I am giving you a coach as my representative. That is, and here's the coach's name, the Holy Spirit. He will, look at this, teach you everything, and he will remind you of everything I have told you. You know, for the past three years, Jesus, the Son of God, has been teaching the disciples. But Jesus is getting ready to leave. So God is going to send someone in Jesus' place. He is called the Helper. He is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Let's continue, John 16, 5. But now I am going away, Jesus says, and it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, wait, 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 stop, stop. It's best that you go away, Jesus? I mean, if I was with Jesus, I'm like, whoa, t- TV time out. You know, when we're hungry, we don't have to swing through the drive-thru at McDonald's. All we needed to give you is some bread and some fish, and you can multiply it, right? I mean, it's better for you to go away. When I get sick, who's going to heal me? It's better for you to go away. And Jesus says, no, it's better for me to go away because if I don't, the helper, everybody say coach, won't come. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper who will, look at this, never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. He lives with you now, and later he will be where? In you. No, Jesus says, I will not abandon you as orphans. Jesus is going away. He's getting ready to return to the Father, to ascend into heaven. But Jesus says, it's better for me to leave because when I do, God, my Father, will send another helper who will be different than me. You know, one of Jesus' names, and this name gets a lot of traction around Christmas, is Emmanuel. And the word Emmanuel means God with us. Jesus is God in the flesh. In John 14, it says, he moved into our neighborhood. But when Jesus wasn't with them, they had no help because, wait for it, Jesus wasn't with them. So God is not just going to become Emmanuel, God with us. No, no. God is going to send the Holy Spirit, and God is going to live in you. You see, in the Old Testament times, God would send the Holy Spirit to a believer to help them out, and then the Spirit would leave them. The Spirit would come, and the Spirit would go. The Spirit would come, and the Spirit would go. But Jesus saying that he will send the Holy Spirit, he will never leave you. The two examples I like to give found in the Old Testament is Samson. We've all heard Samson. Samson was known for his what? Some of y'all, I did that, and you're struggling, right? Let me do it again. See that? I'm just saying that it's getting crazy around here at one church. See, Samson was known for his strength. But do you know, most people, when you ask, why did he have powerful strength? They say it's because of his Fabio locks. But do you know that every time he did something strong for the Lord, it says the Holy Spirit came upon him. 
You see, the reason why he had super, superhuman strength wasn't because of hair, but because the Holy Spirit came upon him and then the Holy Spirit would leave. When David was anointed the next king of Israel, the Holy Spirit came upon David powerfully. And, but later when David messed up and committed adultery with Bathsheba and ended up killing Bathsheba's husband, he prayed this in Psalm 51. God, do not take your spirit from me. Do you know, for us as Christ followers, as believers, we never ever have to pray that prayer? Because there's something radically new is going to happen that's never happened before. The Spirit will come and He's going to stay on us. We never have to ask God, don't take your Spirit because He is with us permanently. He will never leave us. One of the dynamics of the Spirit's power is that He's not a symbol, but it's a reality. Look at verse 5 of Acts chapter 1. John baptized with water. That's a symbol. But just a few days, you will be, look at this, baptized with the Holy Spirit. That is reality. You ever wonder why people got, get baptized? I mean, we just saw Tanya's story. And she explained it so beautifully. The reason why people get baptized is because they want to identify themselves as following Jesus. They want to be identified with Jesus. It's a, water is a point of identity. It's a point of identification. They publicly declare that they are following Jesus, and it's a symbol of their allegiance. But now Jesus says, okay, that's how and, you, know, you should be baptized with water. That's a symbol, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus was promising something altogether different than what John the Baptist offered. John offered a symbol. Jesus says, no, I'm giving you reality. In all reality, you're going to have the third person of the Trinity living in you. Do you know this? We are never commanded to be baptized by the Holy Spirit because it's nothing that you and I do. He does that immediately when we begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to change the world, you've got to take a time out. You have to stop and wait and be filled with, with God before you can ever change the world. Secondly, you've got to receive everything God has promised for you. But third is, and here it is, you've got to refuse to be distracted. How many of y'all are easily distracted? Let me see your hands. Alright. I'm an I'm a easily distracted person. And it's like this. My wife, she hates shopping at Walmart. She hates it. Now, for me, I love shopping at Walmart. It's a, it's in a new adventure every day. I'm a sick individual. Here's the thing. My, my wife said, okay, Chris, listen, I need you to go to Walmart, and I need you to go pick up milk, eggs, and cereal. Got it. Sounds good, baby. So I drive to Walmart. I get inside Walmart, and all of a sudden, I have this brain fart. And I'm like, why am I here? I know I'm in the right spot. But what was I supposed to get? And would you believe that I will go to Walmart looking for everything else? I've left Walmart $50 poor and forgot the milk, bread, and eggs. Isn't that crazy? You see, we have to stay focused. That distraction happened to the disciples. God had called them to change the world. He had been with them. Jesus had walked with them for the past three years. And now he's giving them a last-minute pep talk. And they're trying to get him distracted. Verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, Lord, excuse me. Yes, Thomas, you with your hand raised. Lord, is now the time that for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? 
that's a big deal to them. Because they are under Roman domination. Life is hard for the Israelites during this time. They are pumped up. They are excited. So they ask, is now, is this going to be the time when you're going to off the Romans? Jesus had a bigger vision that they had, though. God not only wanted to free Israel, God wanted to free the world. Our agenda, even our big dreams, they are short-sighted in light of God's vision. Did you hear me? Our agendas, even our big dreams, they are short-sighted in light of God's vision. As a church, it's easy to get sidetracked with the trivial and off of the mission of God. I love the church these days. Not just one church, but the big C church. I think the church now in the 21st century is so much better than it ever was in the first century. I always hear people say, I want to be a New Testament first century church. And I'm like, whoa, 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 stop. Have you ever read the book of 1 Corinthians? I mean, those people are some of the most jacked up, Jerry Springer type of people you will ever meet. Anybody remember Jerry Springer? Am I the only one that's old in here? All right. I mean, you watch Jerry Springer and you're like, I cannot believe that there are people in this shallow end of the gene pool who are doing what they're doing, right? I mean, crazy. I mean, I, one of, a, a, a preacher I used to listen to for long ago, he once did a, a series in the book of 1 Corinthians. He called it Christians Gone Wild. And that's exactly right. I mean, you had a, a son sleeping with a stepmother and people suing people and, and people taking out vengeance. on. But it was the most jacked up, crazy people you've ever seen in your life. I'm so much, I think we're so much better on mission today than they ever have been. But here's what I know, that the church even today gets distracted. That I think a lot of churches today are distracted because churches fight over worship styles. All the while, the world is broken. Churches fight over the volume of music, and there are families being torn apart. Churches fight over the color of the carpet, and people who are far from God are dying. Do you know we're never going to fight about the color of the carpet at One Church TV? Number one, because we don't have a building yet. But even when we do, when God, God willing, gives us a building, we're not going to have carpet. We're going to have concrete. So we're not going to fight about it, right? Also, uh, the, I mean, people fight over, should the, should the preacher be live or should he be on a video on a screen? And all the while, people are far from God. It reminds me of a story about a church in Atlanta. It's a true story. In Atlanta, there was a restaurant called Church of God Grill. Very interesting name, isn't it? For a restaurant to be called the Church of God Grill. Let me share with you how that restaurant got its unusual name by giving you the quote from one of its employees. He said, and the employee said this, We used to have this little church down here. We started selling chicken dinners after church on Sundays to help pay the bills. People actually liked the chicken more than the church, and we did such good business that eventually we cut back on the church service. We stayed with the chicken. After a while, we just closed down the church altogether, and we kept on serving great chicken dinners. We kept the name we started with, and that's the Church of God Grill. Can I take your order, please? You know, there's something wrong about that story because the church isn't called to serve chicken. The church can be doing a lot of different things, but the one thing that we should be doing, we're going to discover here today in Acts 1-8. Don't get distracted. This is what Jesus says. They ask the question, when are you going to free Israel? And this is what Jesus said in 1-7. He replied, the Father alone 
has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. TV timeout. Do you know, just this past week, I've had three different people text me with the, uh, with the eclipse and all this stuff. Do you think this is the apocalypse, and is Jesus going to come back? And I had one person I drooly, uh, dearly love, um, one of our past elders who lives in Virginia who watches regularly. He texts me, he says, you know, Revelation 12, 1 through 3, I, it, could this be it? Let me just simply say this. I don't think we should be worried about that. Jesus said in this verse, they are not for you to what? No. So if, if somebody says, hey, by the way, he's coming August the 21st, 2017, here's what you can be sure of. He is not coming then. Because it's not for you to know. Uh, you know, I, I'm so tired, sick and tired of Christians getting freaked out about what's coming at the end of the age. And when will Jesus return? And yes, I believe Jesus will return. But let me tell you, I don't want to be on the date and time committee. I want to be on the change your world until Jesus comes committee. I want to be, let's do something for God until he comes. Not chart it and worry about it and let's see if the uh, apocalypse and the eclipse and they kind of even sound alike. No! I mean, that's not for you to know. So if you want to change the world, take a time out. Wait. Get all that God has promised for you. Don't get distracted. And lastly, expect to be used by God. Expect to be used by God. This next verse is the key verse in the entire 28 chapters of the book of Acts. If you could memorize one thing, you need to memorize this one. And it simply says this. This is, by the way, this is what the church should be doing. Not serving chicken dinners. This is what it should be doing. But you will receive what? Power. That Greek word for power is dunamis. It's where we get our English word dynamite. Anybody remember good times? All right, so sometimes after a while I start thinking, maybe I'm just too old. But y'all with me. All right, I'm glad you're with me. All right. So, uh, I mean, that, that's, that's power. And you know, when we think of power, we think of loud, clanging, you know, roaring power. And that's not the power that Jesus is talking about here. It's a silent power. It's a quiet power. It's a, pi- a power that's best seen at funeral homes and hospitals. It's a power that doesn't have to be loud to make a real change. But you receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then he says, what will be the result of the Holy Spirit coming upon you? You will be my what? Witnesses. Now, what does it mean to be a witness? Well, witness is simply when you see something, you tell somebody about it. In fact, this verse gives us the definition of what it means to be a witness. You shall be my witnesses telling people about me where? Everywhere. And then he describes the everywhere. It starts first in Jerusalem. It starts first in the backyard. And it spreads. In fact, watch the screen up here. It starts small. It starts there in Jerusalem. And then it goes to Judea. That's the county and the surrounding area. And then it goes to Samaria. The Samaritans were people that Jews hated. They were very racist against. But it it even goes to the people you don't like. And then from there, it spreads to the uttermost parts of the earth, to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, right in your backyard. That's where they're staying at. That's where they're at. 
if some of us, we're, we're so amped up about wanting to go and change the world across the seas, and we don't tell people who are across the street about Jesus Christ. You want to change the world? You tell people about Jesus. In fact, that's our big idea today. We make a difference in our world when we tell other people about Jesus. We make a difference in our world when we tell others about Jesus. You are to be my witnesses telling people everywhere. When's the last time you talked about Jesus? We talk about a lot of dumb things, don't we? we I mean, if you like something, you'll talk about that. If you like a, a restaurant, what are you going to do? You're going to talk about it. If you like your girlfriend, what are you going to do? You're going to talk about her. If you like, see, I mean, we talk about a show that we're watching on TV and what Jesus, the one thing Jesus has called us to do is to tell people about me everywhere. And we have a core value here at One Church TV. We say it this way, that found people find people. And we believe that if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've got one job. And that is, you're to, you are found. I was once was lost, but now I'm, what? Found. I was blind, but now I see. And then you're called to go and find other people. That's your job. That's the church's job. Jesus said it this way in Luke 19.10, that he came to seek and to save those who are lost. We believe here at OneChurch.tv that in order to reach people that nobody else is reaching, then we've got to do things that nobody else is doing. That we will do anything short of sin to be able to bring people to Jesus. That our goal, it's all about reaching people, not keeping people. That's our job. How does this end? It says this. After saying this, Jesus was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white men robed actually stood among them. These were two angels. I mean, could you imagine this? So Jesus was standing here talking to them, and then he goes up into heaven, and they're like, it's going to be what you and I are doing on August the 21st, looking at the clips, right? Right? And hopefully you're going to have glasses as you're doing that, because if you're not, you're going to have those Ray Charles glasses the rest of your life. Right? So they're looking up, and the two angels go, what are you doing? What are you doing? Look at this. Why are you staring, standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. And then look what happens. The apostles return to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of a half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. They all met together, and they were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. What should you and I be doing? What is our mission? Well, it's simply that we are to make a difference in our world when we tell other people about Jesus. And fortunately, these 12 disciples and Mary and the women who were there and his brothers, they did just that. And this small, ragtag group of nobodies ended up changing the world. They started a revolution that continues to this day. Guys, we are the church. Our job, powered by the Holy Spirit, is to spread God's kingdom throughout the world. Do you know there is no plan B? 
So what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? Who are you going to tell about Jesus this week? Who are you going to tell about Jesus this week? As you go into, into the school tomorrow, who are you going to tell about Jesus this week? Is that kid who's kind of ostracized, who's sitting by himself in the lunch table, are you going to invite him over? Are you going to be Jesus to him? Are you going to show him Jesus' love? As a teacher, are you going to be able to even love the kids that are problem kids that you've heard about? Let me tell you, they're not problem kids. They're potential for God to be able to use in an amazing way. Because if you want to make a difference in the world, you tell the others about Jesus. You show them Jesus. I believe if you do that, you can change your world. You can make a difference exactly where you're at. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for giving us your love, your grace, giving us Jesus. Lord, without Jesus, we have no hope. But because you sent your son who died on the cross for us, we can have a relationship with you. And God, I pray that all of us in here, that we consider ourselves found, that we would find people. That you would make it our mission in life to tell other people about Jesus. To invite other people to church so that they can hear about Jesus. We love you, God. And I pray that our families, our communities, our counties the state and the world would be a better place because we as Christ followers are living in it. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Guys, I'm going to invite you guys to stand up right now. Go ahead and stand up where you're at, and I'm going to give a challenge to you, and it's simply this. Go and be the church. The church isn't a place. The church is a people group. And go and be the church. You're dismissed. Thanks for hanging out with us today.